With MailChimp, you get more than a URL. You get an all-in-one marketing platform to help drive sales. With things like data-driven recommendations and powerful automation tools. Get started today at MailChimp.com slash smart marketing. MailChimp, built for growing businesses. Right now, one in seven people around the world needs a pair of glasses but can't get them. That's why one site exists, to help people everywhere get the glasses they need to learn more, earn more, and see a clearer future. How can you support One Sight's mission in communities around the world? All it takes is a simple donation to improve someone's life by giving them clear vision. Donate today at onesight.org. That's O-N-E-S-I-G-H-T dot org. Good morning, everyone. 7 a.m. We are here Good morning, everyone. Sorry about that. We are here. We got a great show for you today. First, I want to give a shout out to the Columbia County GOP. It's Augusta, Georgia. For those of you who don't know, I was there on Saturday and was speaking, and they gave me this nice cup for making the the trek down. It was very nice. I was actually in the market to get one anyway. I was going to buy one anyway soon, but they gave me one, so... I told them I would come down whenever. But listen, we have a great show for you today. We got Al Robertson coming on a little bit later, about 25, 30 minutes to talk about uh, really everything. Al's a good friend of mine. He's from Duck Dynasty. And then we have on the second hour at eight, around 8.05 a.m., we have Drew Van Voris coming on from the Epic Times uh, to discuss California. We got a lot, We had a great show for you. You know what I'm saying? We got a great show for you. Without further ado, uh, let's get into it. But first, you know, I want to send my prayers and my thoughts to everyone in the path of Hurricane Ida, everyone who is dealing with that. I, I grew up right beside Florida, so trust me, I'm very aware what can happen in those places. Also, I want to send my thoughts and prayers to the families of the 13 brave service members who were killed. As you'll see later, uh, this really might be our fault. We might have put them in harm's way. Not we, not me and you, the ones who are you know who are smart. You don't pull out troops, you get the people the troops are protecting. Anyway, we'll get them out. But first, we got to talk about everything else. So, I saw this the other day, and it really did upset me. A conservative student group was threatened by being blacklisted for refusing to sign a Black Lives Matter letter. The letter states that many organizations will cut ties and no longer co-sponsor events with the Federalist Society until it states its support for Black Lives Matter. Students at the University of Illinois are demanding that the school's Federalist Society speak out in favor of Black Lives Matter, despite the group's claims that its national leadership prohibits such statement, which it should. The national leadership of the Federalist Society, Federalist Society, for those of you who don't know, was created in 1982 as a way to bring conservative law students together. Uh, I think 85, 90% of Federal uh, appointmentships and federal judges have came from uh, uh, have come from the Federalist Society under Republican presidents. I, Barack Obama didn't pick any Federalist Society members. Um, it's a way for us to to, to promote each other. Uh, Neil Gorsuch, I believe, was there. Uh, Kavanaugh was on it. Uh, maybe even Coney Barrett. The list that Donald Trump put out in 2016. Every single member of that list was a member of the Federalist Society in college. This is a very, very tight-knit conservative group who does not believe uh, in being, what's the word, maligned by, by, some, uh, by some liberals. 
It goes on to say, a group of students at the University of Illinois signed a letter of demands to the Federalist Society chapter at the university after the chapter stated it would remain neutral on the Black Lives Matter movement. I am, quote, I am incredibly proud to be a part of an institution among leaders who, when faced with the recent cries from the black community who has for their entire existence in this country been oppressed, amplified these cries loud enough so that those in power will finally hear began the letter authored by the University of Illinois College of Law student Celestiana Radogno, a copy of which Campus Reform has obtained. Campus Reform, I I write for them. They're a great organization. But amongst the dialogue and the cries, there is a tangible silence that should not be ignored. This is the silence of the Federalist Society, the letter continued. It went on to explain that the Federalist Society did not sign a letter affirmatively stating that black lives matter and pledging to be anti-racist. Did they sign something that said black lives don't matter? This is my biggest question, right? Because I've never once said black lives don't matter. I don't have a problem with people who are in black lives matter. My problem with it are is the leadership of black lives matter, what I call black lives matter Inc. Uh, the people who are buying $4 million houses with uh, the money they received from people like you thinking you're supporting a cause Well, you bought this random guy from California, $4 million house. That's my problem with it. And what also, what does it mean to be anti-racist? It's not just enough to not be, I'm not racist. I'm sure you're not racist. What does it mean to be anti-racist? Does this mean that we have to go out and find racist people? We have to go out and hunt for racist people and deal with them? Like what is, what exactly does this mean? There's the problem with the left is they use these big words that have no direct meaning. And they also name things in a way where if you don't support them, then you sound racist, right? Or or you sound anti-American. The Patriot Act. How can you not support the Patriot Act? Well, because it's a terrible bill that has led to spying of American citizens. So what does it mean to be anti-racist? If you know what it means to be anti-racist, please comment that down below because I have no idea what it means to be anti-racist. Uh, it goes on to say the letter acknowledged that the Federalist Society communicated that they were not allowed to issue or sign on to any statements per policy orders of the National Federalist Society leaders, but dismissed the claim as disingenuous. The Federalist Society does make statements, alleged the letter, in letter form or not, it makes very strong statements and veils them as debates. For example, Federalist Society made a statement when it invited and hosted speakers to talk about minimum wage, affirmative action, labor unions. The Federalist Society made a statement when it invited a speaker who advocated for overturning Roe v. Wade. And Federalist Society certainly made a statement when it invited a speaker who, when and point blank said, he would overturn the Supreme Court decision declaring the right for same-sex couples like me and many of my friends to marry, the later stated. This is what happens when you give everyone a participation trophy. Everyone starts to believe that not only should... They have the right to think whatever they want. You should think what they think, right? This is the epitome of groupthink. This is people believing that just because you share the same campus as them and you're in this country, if you don't think exactly like they think, then that's a problem. That's a problem. And it doesn't say who any of these people are. I, I know a lot of very conservative people who want to overturn that case, not because not because they don't think same-sex couples should be married, just because they don't believe with the legal. Now, personally, I think that that case was decided correctly um, in the midst that I think that the Supreme Court is there to make decisions for everyone that, that apply that say states can't you know, violate your constitutional rights. That's my opinion on it. Uh, but mommy and daddy never told this person now. They never told this person now. 
this kid was eating ice cream for breakfast at three because they they were never told no. And they now they're being put in such uh, they've been told yes so many times. They got into a good school, University of Illinois, good school. They've never been told no their entire lives. And now, no, I take the back. The only time they were told no is when uh, they were sitting on the couch eating a bag of Doritos, and somebody asked, and they asked somebody if they looked fat, and the person said no because they probably lied. But this person has never been told no, and this is what happens when you don't make people uh, understand personal responsibility when you don't make people understand what is needed to succeed as a society because making other people think the way you think or threatening to blacklist them is not there. goes on to say, as a law student, justice and fairness is my bone to pick. I can't sit back and watch the Federalist Society take stances on so many hotbed issues, including those directly impacting my life, and then conveniently tout a gag order from nationals. When it comes to take a position on an issue that is not how you interpret the Constitution, where there's only right, one right non-debatable stance, Black Lives Matter, Rodogno wrote before demanding that the group both produce the policy order from nationals that say chapters are not allowed to sign statements and do one of the following. Again, whoever said Black Lives Don't Matter? I know some leadership in the Federalist Society. They're very nice people. Also, the fact that, I, I didn't even think about this, but the fact that Rodogno, whoever Rodogno is, is a law student is also very concerning. These are... This is a type of Rodogno or whatever is a type of person who will end up working in like a White House. Okay. I met this, I met this congressional candidate um, and we were talking and he went to Yale. Uh, yeah. He went to Yale and Harvard and he was, he said, yeah, many of my, many of my liberal colleagues, students are working in White Houses now. This is the type of person who will go and work in a White House or go and work in, in something like that. Let's keep going. Silence from the Federalist Society is interpreted as a rejection of BLM. Who, who said that? The letter concluded many organizations pledged to no longer co-sponsor events with the Federalist Society until the Federalist Society supports their black peers. Who? Okay. Look, I, I, I'm in a college Republicans chapter, right? I'm on the executive board. If, I don't know, the rowing club said they won't do events with the college Republicans until we sign something, I'd say, okay. We got TPUSA. We chillin'. The letter was also co-signed by 64. What type of lawyers is the University of Illinois putting out? 64 other people? 65 future lawyers? Okay. In a statement to campus reform, Rodogno elaborated on her claim that the group does indeed make statements by saying that, quote, UIUC Federalist Society spends its generous endowment from the Federalist Federalist Society National to bring openly conservative speakers to campus to debate the conservative viewpoint of politico-legal issues. What the hell is a politico-legal issue? Since they do not spend their resources to bring, fe- to bring Federalist Society liberal speakers to Federalist Society debates, the opposing side is absent altogether, or the burden is shifted to the other, to other college or law groups willing to spend their comparatively limited resources to host a speaker. Look, here's the thing, right? If you want to have... If you want to have somebody, go ahead and do it. Why should the Federalist Society be forced to 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 pay for your 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 speaker? There's no reason why the Federalist Society should be forced to pay for your speaker. This person should not be a lawyer because none of their legal stances are are adding up. One thing that I've learned in law is somebody that I can agree with a hundred percent of the time, we can disagree on certain things, right? We even learned this on the Republican side. I mean. 
foreign policy. I disagree with a lot of Republicans on foreign policy and agree with a lot of Republicans. So you just don't, you just never know. But this person has never been told no in their life. Okay. This person, eh, I'm not going to be the one to say it, but probably needs a, you know, a, let's send this person to, to Paris Island for a few weeks, see how they do. So then we get into the suicide bombing attack that happened. And I want to talk about something. I want to play a video and then I want to talk about how this, there's a lot to talk about here. So the the headline is U.S. military strikes car carrying multiple suicide bombers en route, en route to, to Kabul airport. We then learn it's not necessarily true, but we'll read this. The U.S. military conducted a drone strike on ISIS terrorists on Sunday in Kabul, eliminating an imminent threat to the, to the airport, of, according to officials. The strike was reportedly on a car that was carrying multiple suicide bombers who were en route to the airport. We are confident we successfully hit the target, Significant secondary explosions from the vehicle indicated the presence of a substantial amount of explosive material, U.S. Central Command Captain Bill Urban said in a statement. We are assessing the possibilities of civilian casualties, though we have no indications at this time. We remain vigilant for potential future threats. The strike comes hours after U.S. State Department sent out an emergency alert during the early morning hours in Afghanistan on Sunday warning U.S. citizens to immediately leave the airport and the surrounding area due to a serious threat. Due to a specific incredible threat, all U.S. citizens in the vicinity of Kabul Airport, HKIA, include the South Airport Circle Gate, the new Ministry of the Interior, and the gate near the Pandashir Patrol Station of the northwest side of the airport should leave the airport immediately, the the department said. U.S. citizens should avoid traveling to the airport and avoid all airport gates at this time. But we'll get them all out by uh, tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to get them all out tomorrow. So I want to play a clip from my good friend Cam Higby. He put this out. He's a lot smarter than I am. He's also about my age. This is what he had to say about the attack in Kabul. Breaking news, and really, it's heartbreaking news. Buckle up and pay attention. After the attack in the Kabul airport that killed over a dozen U.S. service members, Biden authorized an airstrike allegedly on ISIS-K suicide bombers that were planning another attack at the airport. A witness told CNN that that airstrike killed nine civilians. Most of them were children, and we're talking children under the age of 10 years old. The youngest was a two-year-old girl. The airstrike targeted two vehicles inside of a residential building. Those vehicles allegedly contained ISIS-K suicide bombers that posed an imminent threat to the Kabul airport. A family member to those killed claims that it was a family home and they were just an ordinary family with no link to ISIS-K or Al-Qaeda. Witnesses regaled traumatizing stories of neighbors running with buckets of water to put out the flames to later find the horrific remains of children. Perhaps these witnesses are lying, but the Pentagon doesn't even seem to know what they were targeting in the first place. They said it might have been suicide bombers or it might have been a car bomb. They don't really know. They just know when they hit it, there was a secondary explosion indicating some kind of explosives. Or it could be the fact that they had just launched a missile into a house. Perhaps there was propane tanks in the garage. But if what the witnesses say is true, and if those killed were truly just innocent civilians and not suicide bombers, this is unacceptable. I'll be posting updates when more information. And if more information does come out, I will definitely put that out. Look, Cam is is really good. He he gets censored all the time. Listen, if that's true, and we killed what nine innocent civilians, whoever ordered that strike on whatever pretenses should be court-martialed. Should be court-martialed. Joe Biden should resign. This, he should resign for one reason. Letting the Secretary of State deal with Afghanistan. Why the heck would you let the Secretary of State deal with Afghanistan when you have, I don't know, the Department of Defense right there? Let the Secretary of Defense do it? Just my thing. But then we get into another thing. 
the United States was offered to be able to have all of Kabul. They were able to have all of Kabul that guarded by U.S. Civil, U.S. military with, with firearms, but we turned it down because, come on, man, we can trust the Taliban. This is complete and utter incompetence. If, if we would have taken control of the airport and we would have taken tr- control of Kabul, like I guess we were offered, this is according to the Washington Post, like we were offered, these 13 service members wouldn't be dead. Another... God knows how many wouldn't be injured. The hundred something Afghanistan citizens wouldn't be injured because who the hell trusts the Taliban to do security for the people they've been trying to kill for the last 20 years. Now, look, I'll point out, I will point out that the Taliban had nothing to gain by doing what, by doing what supposedly allegedly they did. This is all I'm saying. Why give them the chance? I mean, what if what if the Taliban was sitting there and goes, hey, hey, you see that guy right there in the red shirt? Go ahead and let him through, okay? You're going to see a big bomb in about 13 seconds. Go ahead and let him through. Uh, yeah, go, 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 I don't, don't check his back. Go ahead and let him through. He's one of us. Okay, he's with that ISIS-K, that Delta variant of the ISIS, and uh, we'll be fine. Uh, just, just make sure you take a few steps this way. Like, who's to say that didn't happen? Seriously. I don't trust the Taliban. Do you? Well, Joe Biden does because Joe Biden says, come on, man, they eat chocolate, chocolate chip ice cream. And if you eat chocolate, chocolate chip ice cream, you obviously got to be Joe Biden's best friend and the best person in the world. This is Joe Biden's fault. Joe Biden should be, should resign, should be impeached. Joe Biden, there was a father of one of the brave service members on Fox News, um, couple of nights ago i guess it was thursday night or friday night no it would have been friday night i watched it friday night before i spoke and he said quite frankly that this is biden's fault and i think he's 100 percent right because the lack of having literally any awareness the lack of having literally any awareness joe biden should be impeached they should take this they, they should impeach joe biden they really should. Now, I want to play this clip real quick. Joe Biden is being instructed by some unknown... Sorry, that's for the second hour. Just kidding. That was the wrong clip. Anyway, so let's let's get into a little bit else. Then we got to run some ads so we can ra- make some money. And then on the other side, at 7.30 uh, Eastern Standard Time, Al Robertson from Duck Dynasty will be on the show. So this is the State Department orders blocks private flights for Americans conducting unauthorized rescue missions to Afghanistan. The Biden administration has ordered it has issued orders that will make the unauthorized rescue and extraction missions to get Americans and Afghan allies out of the country significantly more difficult. Amid widespread reports of rescue efforts from groups like Task Force Pineapple, what the hell? Task Force Dunkirk and Team America, the US Department has issued the U.S. State Department has issued an advisory to nations surrounding Afghanistan to deny support to aircraft conducting such operations in Afghanistan. Now being told that the State Department is telling nations surrounding Afghanistan to not allow private jets handling the private extractions to land and or refuel, John Cadillo reported, quote, this is inexplicable and evil. Military Connect sources tell Becker News that the rationale behind denying private flights to be refueled in the region is that airspace is being cleared for further evacuations, but the order also conflicts with reports that evacuations have temporarily halted for Americans wanting to leave the airport. 
U.S. veteran and Congressman Dan Crenshaw further commented on the situation at the Kabul airport. America, you need to know this. Biden is not letting U.S. citizens through the airport gates, Crenshaw said on Twitter. It has been impossible to get anyone through for the last 24 hours. This administration has been lying about their intent to save Americans. Unforgivable. Look, all I'm saying is, me and the boys will get the guns and we'll go We'll go save the, the Americans ourselves. And that should be, should it be promoted? Probably not. But it wouldn't have to happen if Joe Biden wasn't utterly incompetent. Joe Biden. Incompetence in chief. That's really what he should be called. If he wasn't utterly incompetent, none of this would have to happen. None of it. Absolutely none of it would have to happen. But because we have somebody who... God, don't y'all, aren't y'all so glad we don't have mean tweets? If we had somebody who actually... I don't know. Listen, this is what I would have said if I was president. Look, I come out... <clears throat> my fellow Americans, 13 of our brave service members have died. Saving lives in another country. Because of that, I have ordered 59 Tomahawk missiles to land on what we believe to be the Afghan, Taliban, ISIS, and Al-Qaeda stronghold. I am proud to report that I have killed each and every single one of them. Let this be known to our enemies around the world. If you so much as scratch an American without his his or her permission, we will rain the wrath of Uncle Sam down on you. Isn't that... Don't y'all remember when we had a president who would do that? There were reports that Assad, back in 2017, gassed his own people. And Trump said 59 Tomahawk missiles. Not even Americans, his own people. Y'all remember that? Listen, Joe Biden is part of the administration that let Otto Warmbier end up being killed in North Korea Because we didn't want to step on their toes. We wanted that little fat man to do whatever the heck he wanted. Why the heck did we think that this was a good idea to put this senile 80-year-old chocolate chocolate chip eating man back in the White House? You couldn't even get auto warm. The only thing Joe Biden could do in his eight years as vice president was get his son millions of dollars from the Ukrainian oligarchs and help his son's new artistic career take off. Have you guys seen those fannings? They're absolutely terrible. Why do we think it'd be a good idea to put him back in the White House? I didn't, but 81 million Americans supposedly did. Joe Biden is utterly incompetent. If Joe Biden wasn't in an elected position that couldn't be fired, he would be fired immediately. We have 13 dead U.S. service members. The last death before this past week in Afghanistan was over was in February of 2020, before covid Think about all these COVID lockdowns. This was before COVID that the last person died. Joe Biden takes over. We get a we get a gas crisis. We get an inflation crisis. We have a southern border crisis, and we have a Middle East crisis. See, I remember growing up my entire life with the Middle East in shambles, and then it's like, holy crap! What do you mean we have it under control? Not anymore. This is what happens when you let Democrats do things. It's also what happens. Think about this: all of Trump's Trump Republicans get attacked because you're you're putting the elites up this that the other because we appoint. Typically, we appoint people who have, you know, actual real world ex- real world expertise. Uh, we put people who are either CEO, started companies in the cabinet. You know what Democrats do? They take a few Harvard grads, a few Yale grads, a few Stanford grads, maybe University of Maryland if they know the right people, and they put them in the office. They let somebody who's never had a real job run parts of this country. For instance, 
Mike Pompeo had a very had a very be- decorated ba- background before joining the administration, I believe, in 2018 as Secretary of State. Rex Tillerson had a good background before that out, outside of the public sector. And guess what? This never happened. Otto Warmbier came home. We were respected across the world. But now, because of all of Biden's incompetencies, and because we put somebody who's worked at the State Department for 40 years, he's worked there for 40 years. He should know what he's doing. He's worked there for 40 years, he said. We now have utter incompetence. Americans are being killed. The oldest one was 30. The youngest one was 20. Average age of 24, I believe. Or 23. I'll see y'all in in about five minutes. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we are joined by Al Robertson. Do you support law enforcement? I myself am proud to be a big supporter of the Second Amendment and of law enforcement and those who keep our streets safe. That is why I am glad to partner with We Back the Blue. WeBackTheBlue.co is committed to helping the families and loved ones of those who have given their lives on the line to protect our communities and our country. To date, they have donated over $10,000 to the loved ones of those brave men and women who wear the blue uniform, who have given their lives for my community and yours. As the radical left seeks to get rid of police forces all across the country, we must stand up and support those who support us. It's important to show those who wear that uniform that we are with them and that we stand with them. That's why WeBackTheBlue.co is giving everyone who wants one a free thin blue line distressed bumper sticker. You just have to pay $2.99 shipping and handling. Let's show our support for those in blue. Have you heard that every kid under the age of 30 is a socialist? Well, I, I definitely have, and I've met a few of those kids myself, but I want it to be different, and that's why I started SatillaRiverApparel.com. Satilla River Apparel was started uh, in my in my room, actually, because I was tired of having to pay top dollar prices for low-quality shirts to show my southern lifestyle. I'm from South Georgia, for God's sakes. I love to hunt and fish, and if you do, too, then Satilla River Apparel is, is meant for you. If you go to SatillaRiverApparel.com forward slash Noah, you can get 10% off your order. We have some great shirts, and everything is made in America, printed in America, shipped in America, and hey. You know, it, d- it does help my bank account as well, and it does keep the show going. So, com forward slash Noah. Are you busy like me? You wake up every morning a little bit late. Maybe you do a 7 or 9 a.m. radio show, and you always wake up a little bit late, but you don't want to go on hungry. Well, that is why I eat Built Bar. Built Bar is, to me, the best protein bar on the market. It's one that I eat every morning before this show. I'm a big fan of chocolate. This morning before, I have been I ate the double chocolate mousse, and it has 130 calories per bar, 17 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of both sugar and net carbs. It is perfect for whether you're a single mom on the go, you're busy, you have a long day at work, or you just need a snack, or maybe even your kids play play football and need to, uh, need to gain some more protein. If that's the case, go to builtbar.com forward slash let freedom ring. Make sure you put let freedom ring in the promo code box so you get a discount and they know that we sent you. That is builtbar.com. Again, these things are flat out amazing. They are flat out amazing. I want to take a second to thank everyone who came out to Columbia County this past Saturday. I met a few of you guys. It was very good. 
had a very good time. I This upcoming Saturday, September 4th, I will be speaking at the God and Country Civic Revival in beautiful LJ, Georgia. I'll be speaking alongside David Belisle. I'll be speaking alongside Vernon Jones. And I'll be speaking alongside State Superintendent Richard Woods, along with many other people. Come out. The address is 1211 Old North Cut Road, LJ, Georgia. Be doors open at 2 p.m. It's at White Path Creek Farms. I'm looking forward to it. Come out. Uh, I'll have a booth. I'll have some stuff to give away. I'll have some stuff for you great people. And definitely, I, I look forward to it. Also, if you're around the Georgia area, I can't tell you exactly why yet, but make sure that you keep October 16th clear on your calendars because we have some big news, maybe a huge speaker or two that will be announced soon. That will be October 16th in October. In the state of Georgia, I can't tell you everything yet because I do want to confirm it. I don't want to jinx it, but it should be fine. Do you or a loved one host some sort of conservative meeting, maybe every month, maybe every quarter, maybe once a year, and you're looking for speakers? Well, if so, I would love to come. I love meeting great Republicans all over the state, great conservatives all over the state, and spreading the message of how we can get more young people in this party because we, we really do need to get more young people in the party. If that's the case and you want to invite me, you can email me at noah at noahring.org, noah at noahring.org. I'd love to come out. So if you can send the dates, uh, the location, everything like that, I would love to come out. The earlier, the better, because my schedule is getting booked and booked more every day. But that's fine, because then I get to travel and meet great people like you. But without further ado, you are listening to the voice of young conservatism on the radio, Noah Ring. All right, and we are back after those messages. While we were, well, I, I normally look at my phone to see if anything's breaking, and I, I, I guess Greta Thunberg, the wisest person in my generation, if you ask some, is having some sort of, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not even quite sure exactly what she's having, but she is having uh, some sort of Hulu deal. And listen, Hulu, if you want to, you know, do something about me. I think we can do something. We can have a great time with it. We can have a great time with it. Um, but without further ado, we are welcoming on good old Al Robertson in a second. A uh, good friend of mine. He's from the Duck Dynasty family, as many of you know. Now, the video of this part did get corrupted because I did pre-record it because he is in Central Time Zone, and I didn't want him to have to wake up at 6 a.m. to do a 6.30 spot. So this is pre-recorded. So don't go anywhere. Al is great, and he even uh, confesses something about me. So here we go. And joining us right now is Al Robertson. Now, Al Robertson was famous at one point for being the only person on Duck Dynasty without a beard. Then he saw my beard and decided he wanted to grow one. Now, do you currently have a beard? How does that work? <laughs> well, I do. You know, you inspired me. So you, you kind of, you know, when I saw that someone as young as you could sport a beard, I thought, well, I shouldn't, you know, put this away. So, yeah, I do have a beard. This is the first year, man, I don't know, in a long, long time that I actually carried a beard all year long. Cause usually uh, my wife, by the time y'all, I carry it through hunting season. By the time we started getting into February, she's like, all right, it's time to go. But this year I kind of just, you know, trimmed it back a little. And uh, so she's, she's, she's living in love as long as I keep it, you know, doesn't look like dad's or, you know, Jace's or one of them. No, you need it. Listen. All right. Well, I got to ask you publicly now, because I've heard that I've heard that, the most popular member of the Robertson family is Cy. Do you, do you guys think that's true, or what do you think, Al? 
Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. People love Cy. Uh, you know, everybody kind of had their fans. Um, me personally, as funny as Cy is and as, as crazy and great as he is, because he was telling us those stories that he did on Duck Dynasty for our whole life. So, sure, sure. you know, we, we grew up with a steady diet of Uncle Cy. And, uh, but, you know, Dad actually is the one, when I would watch the show just as a fan with everybody else, I always laugh more at him because he's the truest to, like, his who he really is all the way through. And so, but he's also very funny. Dad doesn't, you know, oh. he doesn't come across a lot of people as funny, but he's he's pretty funny when he wants to be. Well, well yeah, I mean, he, he does what he wants to do. He gave away a scholarship because he wanted to go duck hunting. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> and Walked then, away from... Walked away from football. You know what he said? No, he said, I don't want to, the Ducks to be coming north to south and me going south to north to play football, you know, in Minnesota <laughs> or some other place. So that's kind of – He's up there with Bradshaw. So yeah. let me ask you this. So, you know, I, I don't think it's – I don't think it's uncommon knowledge that you're, uh, you know, that you're you're a Christian. You're, I think that's pretty pretty obvious knowledge. And, you know, from you and I talking, you know, you don't seem like a socialist. So – I, so yeah. I, I really want you to kind of break this down to me because you know I'm a Christian as well. Um, and we've talked about that over the past, you know, probably a couple of years. Really, yep. you know, I assume that you being as religious as you are, that your beliefs do play into your politics. Do you want to kind of you break that down a certain way if, if you if you don't yeah, mind? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and here's here's the misnomer because uh, it's interesting you brought up socialism. So a lot of and it's really popular right now because of social justice and you know a lot of these words that are popping around and a lot of churches and pastors were sort of kind of following down that road so we know jesus really was more socialist than capitalist but but nothing could be further from the truth when you go and you read the gospels when you look at the red letter books in the bible you'll see jesus in his parables talk more about capitalism than anything you think about how many just a parable after parable he talks about you know being able to earn money he tells the parable of the talents when the money, you know, the guy who invested and, and people who put it to work and just over and he talks about, you know, finding treasure in a field and then going and buying that field. So all these things are about jobs and about creation and, and because he, you know, he, he created the whole thing, you know, guys never stop working. And so I think, you know, I look at it from a standpoint of yes, as his people here on earth, we should look out for each other. But not through the government. I mean, that's our job. That's your job, Noah's job, and that's Al's job. Because us being believers, if God blessed us and we, you know, were able to make money and build a business and hire people, then we've got an opportunity to help those to understand who don't have, but also to understand what it is, you know, to understand eternal life and the most important thing. So I think the church's job is to do what a lot of people are trying to get the government to do. I think the government's job is to protect us and build infrastructure and get out of the way of everything else. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. So, yeah, I mean, I think you I, I think you hit on a chord there. Not even, you know, you hit on the philosophical, but we can even look at the statistical. And I think it's, I saw something in terms of, you know, I think it, it, it put charities and, like, the charities of churches, how, you know, some churches have dedicated charities, um, right. and versus, like, government welfare. And... Government welfare spent like seventy percent administrative cost when charity spent like, I think it was like five or six percent on t- quote unquote administration costs, and they said that I think that included the rent for the building too. Yeah. Um, so and obviously the government doesn't have to pay rent, so they own the right. buildings and the land. So I, I think you hit on a really good point there. But let's get back to the whole Duck Dynasty thing for a second, because I, I do have to admit, you know, I, I've never, 
I've never really been somebody who like, you know, there's a couple congressmen and senators and, you know, people, governors who follow me on social media throughout the various social medias. The coolest I felt was when you followed me on Twitter, you know, two years ago, because I grew up watching you guys, uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I grew up with a huge crush on, crush on Sadie. And if Christian ever messes up, out, <laughs> give me a call. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you told me that early on, back when she was still single. What about Sadie? I said, well, you better jump in there quick because she's got one. But, you know, it's funny, you know, and I'll tell your audience the reason that I did follow you, because obviously I didn't know who you were, but someone else, another teenager that I was following that I just happened to get a tweet, uh, you know, you, you said something, so you were on his Twitter chain. But when I looked and I saw the things you were posting, that's why I followed you, same as I did him and a lot of other young people, because I was, you know, it impressed me very much that there were young people who I think you guys are the savior of the Republic. I mean, you, you guys are the ones that are going to have to change everything because I, I look at my lifetime generation and we've just gotten much worse. So I'm hoping your generation is going to lead us out of this. But when I was looking at the, at the things you guys were tweeting as teenagers, you know, being outspoken and being conservative and not being afraid of it when everything else is just the opposite. I mean, to go along, to get along in the current culture, especially youth culture, you know, it, you, everybody wants to be a socialist or, you know, AOC follower and all this. So, you know, that's the reason I followed you. And then you and I connected, you know, and talked more about deeper things. But I just I'm impressed by you and a lot of other young Americans that are not afraid to weigh in on public discourse because there's so many people who are just so fearful, you know, of really speaking their mind, which is the ultimate American right that any of us have exactly it, it is that's why it wasn't put in the first amendment the first amendment was there to make sure these rights were first protected no i, I really appreciate it. and you've been a you know good friend mentor whatever you want to call it over the last you know two three years whatever it's been now yesterday on on the show i had on a 15 year old from ohio a good friend of mine gop josh and he uh, i mean he makes me feel old i mean he's 15 years <laughs> old you know he's knocking doors every weekend for various candidates he's yeah uh, I, I can only imagine if I knew a fraction of what he knew or what he knows if I knew that at 15, but I think you're, I think you're hundred percent correct. It, it's going to take my generation. And one thing that I've said is Republicans need to start working, you know, in the culture and we need to start doing that in order to win back the youth, right? We need to start bringing people, right. in my opinion, we need to start bringing people to God. Cause I think right. that when you, if you truly study the Bible, now there are some pastors out there who I don't know what Bible they're reading. Um, but if you truly study the Bible, I mean, as you and I'm, I'm outside of, you know, Jace, every person in your family is a conservative. Jace, I mean, we know he's a socialist. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> he's got a lot of problems. Nah, I'm messing. Jace is a good guy. Um, but anyway, you know, I think when you truly study the Bible, you start to understand, you know, let's, let's, take, the, let's take the core tenets, right? You start to understand, well, hey, Jesus threw people out of, you know, the church. He threw a taxpayer. Uh, but, he, you know, he, he talked to the back then taxpayer tax collectors were a lot worse, but, um, yeah. all that, you know, he said, he who doesn't work, doesn't eat. Uh, yeah. Jesus said, even before you were born, when you're in the womb, I know you, I knew you. Um, so whenever you look at all this, you start to see the core tenets really of conservatism of, of the belief that, you know, the government should be small, especially because the government did kill Jesus, uh, for his beliefs. Um, and, and for what he was saying. So I think that, and I think Sadie ha has been doing a great job of this as well. Uh, I mean, she does she, that. She, she does that thing every yeah. every January or February in Atlanta, um, and there are 
tens of thousands of people uh, my, around my age all throughout the country. So I, I, yeah, I think I think Noah her last year before she got married, which now obviously she's a mom and you know she's she's in a different season of life. Although she still impacts people, but that last year before she and Christian started dating, she uh, personally. Uh, you know, spoke to over a million teenagers around the country with all her different, you know, live original tour and the thing you're mentioning passion and the other things. And I mean, what an honor, you know, because God had raised her up. She's been anointed and by the Lord from a very young age, there's a video that Corey and Willie have of her. She's like three years old. I mean, she's just talking. She's got like this real funny list and she's standing up on the coffee table and she is laying one down. She talks about the gospel and we got to get out and share the gospel. And she's doing this whole thing. And we watch it. And now, you know, we laugh about it. But, you know, she obviously from an early age was set apart to be able to impact. And so obviously she was a big deal on our show. But then she took it to the next level and went to Dancing with the Stars and then owned that for God, you know, because mm -hmm. they talked about things like modesty and things that they never would have talked about on that show. It became, you know, subject lines because of Sadie and their attitude was so great the whole time that when she lost to uh, Alfonso, who is a dear friend to her and her family. Now that we've gotten to know him, she was so proud for him. You know, she wasn't sour or bitter about losing. She was thrilled because, you know, it reignited his career and they're great people. And so it's just, to me, she displayed Christ at well, every place you could do it, you know? Well, that's why Sadie's a better person than me, because me and a whole generation of teenage kids were very upset that Sadie didn't win. <laughs> I think I had a shirt yeah. on called Team Sadie. <clears throat> but, um, but no, seriously, you know, what, what, what do you think, you know, about what I, what I, what I had mentioned earlier about you know, the best way that the, the right and the, the conservative Christian right, which I think most conservatives do believe in Jesus, even though I do see the logic of it, if you don't believe, if you're agnostic or whatever, you still obviously want liberty. Um, what do you really, do you, do you think that the, that is a, a work, a worthwhile message to try to start pushing that? Cause obviously you and I agree you got to push God, but if you, yeah. what I say, two birds, one stone, and that the good old saying. Exactly. And, and look, people have shied away from that though. And that's why your generation has to, to take it back and to own it. When this country was founded, the people that rallied the, the, the main rallying points for the revolution for us to become our own country and to have freedom away from the British empire were, were pastors and reverends in churches. And they weren't afraid to talk about it. They, they intertwined the Bible and God and people's faith with the idea of freedom and liberty and independence and how you build a, a nation. And so that, that was it. And now we look forward, we haven't even gotten 300 years down the line and we have a lot of pastors who are afraid to talk about politics. I mean, they, they won't talk about their pulpit. They're so afraid somebody's going to pull their, you know, 501c3 status. And what, what happens if we don't get tax exemption? And, you know, they've let people uh, hijack the conversation. So I think it's going to take a, 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 just a whole, you know, wave of young people who are not afraid to talk about faith in the public square and exactly how it does line up with how we should rule this country. Because let's face it, it was founded on the idea of Judeo-Christian values. There's no doubt about the founders. And not all of them were, were believers even, but they understood the value that you can't govern if, you, if people won't govern their own lives. And we're seeing that right now. You look out at Portland or someplace like that, this literally just, you see it just melting down because people won't govern themselves. And so they just go out every single night and say, how can we destroy? 
And you think about how long it took to build a beautiful city like that and a beautiful place in, in our country, but look at how little a time it takes to totally destroy something. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Biden's definitely, uh, definitely really, uh, what am I trying to say? He, he's showing how easy it is to destroy, destroy something uh, very oh, fast. Man. So <laughs> did you hear about uh, what Glenn Beck uh, has been doing here recently? Uh, I'm not sure that I did. What's he been doing? Uh, so Glenn Beck, you know, sometimes controversial. I think he's a very smart guy. Uh, I guess, yep. and, and since um, about, I guess about two, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, whenever uh, we, you know, we pulled out of Afghanistan and, and um, you know, perfectly planned, nothing went wrong fashion. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Glenn Beck has uh, apparently raised over $20 million to try to rescue uh, Christians from the Middle East who, who are facing I did, persecution. I did hear that. Yeah, I did hear that. And, and that's amazing. In fact, I haven't heard an update. The last I heard, it was ten million, but that's amazing that now it's already up. To and that was 20. A, that I, I, was a few days ago too. It could be higher now. Yeah, well, you know, Glenn's had some real spiritual awakening moments, and you know, he's he's on Blaze, which is what we're on. Dad's on. We're on. And oh, that's so, right. He's your you know, boss in a way, isn't he? Because he owns that. Well, thing. in a way, that's exactly right. <laughs> I he, uh, about his, that. His, his name is still on the uh, home of Marquee, but uh, he did an interview one time with Lisa and I when we wrote our first book. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really interesting. He did. It was very insightful. I could tell. I don't know if you read the whole book, but you read a lot of it. And, you know, he just talked about his own life change. And that's what Lisa and I talked about in our book as well. And so I knew there was a great depth to him. And you're right. A lot of people don't like him for various reasons. But I was impressed that, you know, he had had that awakening. And so I'm not surprised that he's done something like this when, when so many people need that help. And like you said, you know, jokingly, they're not getting it from our government. So once again, as we talked about earlier, who steps up? People of faith. Every time I've gone into a, a setting of a hurricane or earthquake, because I've worked with some relief ministries before, I look around, and Red Cross is there, but as you mentioned earlier, it's always a little bit slower to develop, and, and not a lot that goes in gets to the folks. But I look at all these spiritual groups that are there and all these organizations, and, I mean, they are immediately helping people from day one to recover. So that's our role and that's our responsibility. Yeah, I think you're right. I do want to ask you one, uh, another question because you're a pastor. Uh, you still do. You're still a pastor. I know you were in the past. I, I don't know now that the fame and you got some podcasts to do. I don't know if you still preach, but, uh, well, I do. Hello. Hold on one second now. All right, hello? Did I drop out? Yeah, you dropped out there for a second. I'll, I'll just like ask the question again and then let yeah, you Yeah, ask answer. it again. All right. So I know you were a pastor. I don't know if all the fame and you know being able to hang out with Cy whenever you want to has gotten to your head uh, now that he <laughs> can afford as many teacups as he wants. Um, do, are you still a pastor? Or? Well, I don't work full-time anymore. When I, when I left and went back to the business um, and to be up here on the show, I, I couldn't stay on full-time and still pastor the church, but – I've stayed on as a leader there. Dad and I both have, even though, you know, now we have, I feel like our ministry is trying to grow, but, you know, just to a national, international ministry. But I always say that, you know, church work and being a pastor is is like the mafia. It's like that other famous family. (laughs) And you never really get out. They pull you back in. And now they, now they get me for free, which all that means is that, you know, which I kind of like it, you know, now that I don't have to depend on them to get paid because if I preach a sermon, 
and people don't like it, I always say, well, you get what you pay for. So, <laughs> and you can't fire me because, you know, I don't work here. So, so there you go. So let me ask you this, because uh, I'm sure you remember uh, under President Trump, uh, they, they repealed the, uh, the I think it's the Johnson Amendment that didn't let you speak about, uh, or supposedly didn't let you speak about politics from the pulpit. I didn't right. know if, you, if you've noticed, you know, obviously being a pastor, you probably know some other pastors. Uh, what has happened in the last couple of years since that? Have you seen, you know, people start to have an uptick in, in their politics? Like, what, what, what do you think? What have you seen since I that? Think it's def- I think it's definitely emboldened guys to do what they should have been doing anyway and not so fearful about that because, let's face it, you know, in left-wing circles, they've been, you know, they've been talking politics from pulpits forever and because they weren't afraid. They weren't afraid that somebody was going to come in and do something, and they weren't anyway. And so I think it was just a, you know, just a fear. You know, you know, John 10, Jesus said that the evil one wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and so fear into the hearts of people. And so I think more pastors need to be willing to be passionate and just go ahead and talk. And look, I don't tell people, you know, in my congregation who they should vote for, but I, I am sure going to tell them whom I'm voting for and why. And then you can make your own decision, you know. And so I think that would be the case with any American and, you know, over, over any issue. But we should not be afraid to lay out plain truth, especially when people are representing things that are obviously anti-godly and anti-biblical. I think you're, I think you're 100 percent right. I mean, one, I think that 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 amendment, that law, whatever you want to call it, plainly unconstitutional. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't. Maybe it made sense in, I guess, the '60s, but it, the way it was enforced recently, you know, I wasn't alive in the '60s, so I don't know what what was the circumstances then. Um, so Al, uh, you know, I want to thank you for coming on. I got you for a few more minutes uh, before we have to go to break. Um, is there anything that you want to leave uh, leave my listeners with where they can uh, where they can find you? Are you there? I lost you. Oh yeah, yeah. So all right, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I got you again. Um, so Al, I do only have you for a few more minutes before we got to go back to break. I do want to ask you. Uh, is there anything you want to leave the listeners with uh, where they can find you, where they can listen to the 75 podcasts apparently that you do, um, <laughs> everything like that? Where, where can they find you? Well, you can uh, you can definitely watch the podcast. We do four a week, which is uh, and we stay pretty busy. It's called Unashamed with Phil and Jace Robertson. Yeah, I definitely, rep- I definitely recommend everyone go and listen to it. It's amazing. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Al. But now to move back into our other topic of the day. Yeah, and I – I, I forgot. I completely forgot even to to realize that. Did we just did the live just got? I, I completely forgot to even realize the fact that uh, he definitely um, is in the path of a hurricane right now. So definitely prayers out to the Robertson family. I'm sure they're fine. You know, honestly, they're 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 you know they're probably flying a freaking helicopter the heck out of there. Um, so anyway. Uh, we we got a few more minutes before we got to go back to break, so we will discuss some good stuff. Um, with that, so what will be the consequences of Joe Biden's presidency? What 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 will happen to the U.S. under President Joe Sivar Biden that will really be so bad? And a lot of people are saying that you know we'll we'll, we'll read this story. Uh, so North Korea is back. Do you guys remember when uh, they said that if we uh, make deals in North Korea that 
the entire world will explode overnight because that is something that can happen and will happen because I don't know. It just made sense because Orange Man Bat. So I remember that. And, well, I didn't hear anything of him from 2019, 2020, anything like that. But it appears via Edmund DeMarche at, at uh, Fox News that North Korea appears to have restarted key nuclear reactor via the – this is, uh, I guess, via watchdog at the U.M. Evidence has emerged that North Korea has restarted a nuclear reactor believed to be capable of producing weapons-grade plutonium in a development called Deeply Troubling by Reuters. Yeah, I'm sure it is deeply troubling. The International Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, reports which were released on Friday said the reactor in question is located in the city of Yongbong, since last month, there have been indications consistent with the operation of the reactor. One key piece of evidence was the discharge of cooling water at the facility. Leif Eric Easley, a professor of international studies at Awa Women's University in Seoul, told the Financial Times, it seems as though the North Koreans were not intent on being discreet and could be getting ready to use Yongbyon as a bargaining chip in negotiations. But even if Pyongyang is considering return to negotiations, it may lead off with a missile test rather than a diplomatic agreement, he said. The Reuters report pointed out that the country's last nuclear test was in 2017, but the UN agency does not have access to the site after being expelled in 2009. You know who else was president in 2009? You want to guess? Barack Obama. The agency now uses commercial satellite images and other methods to monitor the facilities. The report said that there were indications of the operation at Yangbang Radi- Radiochemical Laboratory from mid-February to early July this year. Then why are we just now hearing about it? North Korea's nuclear activities continue to be a cause for concern. Furthermore, new indications of the operation of the five megawatt reactor in the radiochemical laboratory are deeply troubling. Really? Really? No more mean tweets, though. They're not a mean tweet all day. You seen a mean tweet from the president? I haven't seen a mean tweet from the president, but I I do see North Korea stockpiling nuclear plutonium. Does anybody else see that? Am I the only one? Am Am I the only one? I guess I'm the only one. Because guess what? This is what happens when the U.S. looks weak. Everybody, I used to not... I used to not understand peace through strength. I used to not understand what Reagan and what Roosevelt said. Speak softly, carry a big stick. Never understood that. I do now. I was too young to Obama to understand it. I understand it now. This is what happens when America looks weak on the national stage. This right here is what happens. North Korea is about to start building nuclear weapons. North Korea is about to have a nuke. They've probably been doing this since January 20th at 12.01 p.m. when Joe Biden became president. I guess it said mid-February. Close enough. What the hell, America? Why did we think this was a good idea? Why did we think it was a good idea to put this old, senile, chocolate, chocolate chip, 80-year-old running around in his underwear at his beach house in Wilmington all day to run the country? This is what happens uh, stolen elections do have consequences. I used to not believe the election was stolen. Then I started looking at all this. At, I don't know about the other states, but in Georgia, there's some serious questions. Just imagine. I You could probably find 8,000 votes that didn't count in Fulton County alone from November. And if that were the case, David, David Perdue would be a senator right now. Imagine how much different our country would be if we had one more Republican senator. 
this is what happens. North Korea now thinks they can do whatever the hell they want. They now think that they run this country, they run this world. Joe Biden's going to sit back and do nothing, which is probably true. I mean, if Kim Jong-un sends him a pint of freaking chocolate chocolate chip, he'll be fine. What the hell did we do, America? Over some mean tweets. Listen, this is a shot to all the Republicans who did not vote for Donald Trump. I know none of my listeners did that because you guys are very smart and you guys wouldn't do that. I'm sorry for yelling at you guys earlier. This is a shot to all of my, all anybody who knows somebody who said, oh, Biden's not going to get much done. Biden's not going to do anything. He's just going to nap all day. Yeah. Is he? Well, he's pretty effective at his naps. While he's been napping, the world's falling apart. Because we don't need a president who's going to nap. We need a president who's going to work 20 hours a day like Donald Trump fucking did. Oh, I'm not supposed to cuss on the radio. Sorry. Like Donald Trump did. I just got a That's a $5,000 fine right there. We need somebody who's going to work. Somebody who's going to treat this like a business. I really, I really am about to get fined because of that. I already know that. We need somebody who is going to, I don't know, what's the word? Be a president. Who's going to put national security at the top? You know, I remember being in high school and our, it was government class, sophomore year. And our teacher at the time, Mr. Sparks, God bless it, God rest his soul, asked us what we thought the most important, what the most important thing was in the country. And a, and a girl who's now conservative, but at the time, probably slightly left, said that healthcare was. And I said that it was, uh, I don't know if I said foreign policy or defense, national defense, something like that. And he said, why? And I said, well, because you having a bunch of healthy slaves helps nothing. Having a bunch of healthy slaves helps nothing. But there is balance. Sleepy Joe is doing to our country what Obama tried to do in eight, but we we stood up against him because we all understood he was not had the right intentions. But because Joe Biden is has a nice smile, those dentures were worth whatever us taxpayers paid for him. We know he didn't. Because he has a nice smile. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't send out mean tweets. He didn't even send, he don't probably don't even know what Twitter is. That man hasn't been seen all since Twitter's been a thing. Oh, we got a long three and a half years ahead of us, guys. But we got to stick together. We have a long, a long three and a half years. We only have a few minutes before we get to get a break. But we got Drew Van Voorst coming on on the other side to speak about uh, the California recall election. He's a reporter with the Epic Times based out of California. So he obviously knows more than I do about it. So he'll be coming on, like I said, at the beginning of the next hour to discuss that. Uh it's another pre-recorded thing because guess what? He does live in California and I would not make him wake up at 5 a.m. Uh, because I am not a psychopath and I am not a bad person. But what are we doing, America? Do we really think that Joe Biden deserves to even step foot near the White House? The only time he should be in the White House is if there's a vice president reunion. That's the only time. Golly, we have a long four years ahead of us. We got to make sure in 2022, we don't just take back the House and the Senate, but we take it back with true Republicans because Biden probably should be impeached. They would have impeached Trump over this. I mean, they impeached Trump for giving a speech at the 
downtown and then he told people to leave the building and he still got impeached. I actually know one of the congressmen who impeached him. He was a good friend of mine. But what is what are we doing, America? That's my question. We'll talk about it in the next hour. What are we doing? We've got about 30 seconds before break. So let's just take a moment to pray. Lord, I come to you today to pray for this country, to pray for those people who thought that Joe Biden's senile chocolate chocolate chip eating self, basement Biden was better uh, than mean tweets, low gases, and a roaring economy. So Lord, I come to you today to pray for this country, pray for those people in the path of Hurricane Ida, pray for those people who are who don't know if their loved ones will make it out of Afghanistan and the leadership of basement Biden and those who have lost their loved ones, the 13 service members, families, Lord, I pray, I come to, come to you to pray for them, uh, all, all in God's name, amen, but we'll be back on in about five minutes, don't go anywhere, there's only one more hour you have to put up with me, and then you can listen to somebody a little bit better, but we will be back after these messages, don't leave either, please, during these messages, because uh, we need to uh, make money, honey. Do you sometimes get the sense that debates about America's role in the world are predictable and often disconnected from reality? Our new podcast tries to change that. None of the Above offers new ideas to help confront America's global challenges. Subscribe to None of the Above today. Hey there. If you have diabetes, listen close, because your ears could help your eyes. Excess sugar could lead to eye damage and vision loss, or even blindness, and you might not notice at first. Remember... Now is the time to get your eyes checked. Eye care is especially important with diabetes. See A Path Forward with actions and potential treatment options that may help your eyes and protect against vision loss. Visit nowic.com and take charge of your sight. Brought to you by Regeneron. 